G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The only sort of faith the Bible talks about, the only sort of faith that Jesus talked about, was the sort of faith that moves mountains, the sort of faith that conquers the world, the sort of faith that has powerful results. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the last of the four messages in this series, having the sort of faith that conquers the world. And it's that conquering bit that we're going to be focusing on today. There are times in our lives when we have to overcome obstacles. Now, not every obstacle is there for overcoming, let me say. Sometimes they're meant to be there at least for a while, and sometimes they're meant to be there as a permanent feature. I don't know if you recall the Apostle Paul's prayer to God about the thorn in his flesh that was hindering him. But three times Paul asked God to take it away. And God's answer was no, because that thorn in Paul's flesh was there to keep him humble. Even adversity sometimes, especially adversity sometimes, plays an important part in God's plan for our lives. But sometimes it's God's plan for us to overcome obstacles in our lives. Sometimes we need to be more than conquerors over our circumstances in order to achieve what God's called us to achieve. When we have to conquer an obstacle that's way beyond our power or our wisdom or our strength, then we need to have faith. Faith in the one who does have the power and the wisdom and the strength to make things happen. We need the sort of faith that conquers the world. And that's the sort of faith that we're going to chat about again today on the program, world-conquering faith. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and see what God has to say to us today about that sort of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute didn't perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Isn't that one of the most amazing passages? I get real courage in my heart just reading that passage. So what's God saying to us through his word today? When the nation of Israel fled from their centuries of slavery in Egypt and after they'd wandered for 40 years in the wilderness... God finally let them into the land that he promised them through Abraham centuries before. Now you'd think, wouldn't you, that, that if the land was the land that God had promised and he'd chosen and he'd provided that God had ordained for them, that they just kind of waltz in there and settle down and take over. But that wasn't God's plan. The land was occupied by many nations and kings and tribes and the Israelites had to take the promised land battle by battle. 
That's often God's way. That's why so often life as a Christian seems to be battle after battle. That's why sometimes we think to ourselves, why is following Jesus this hard? Why doesn't it all just fall into place? What about the promises of God? Well, the promises are there, just like the promised land was there for Israel, but they have to be taken, often battle by battle. And those battles, my friend, require faith. And faith pleases God. And so those battles are our opportunity to grow in our faith as we rely on God's promises to take us through. And that's pleasing to God. So Israel took Jericho by strength? No, by faith. And Rahab, the prostitute who'd harboured the Israeli spies before that battle, she was saved by faith. And then the writer goes on to list many situations and circumstances in the history of Israel where battle after battle after battle after battle had been won as Israel and God's people stepped into the breach and put their faith in their God. My friend, that's what the Christian life looks like. That's what we're meant to be living. And after each battle and each trial and each beating and each victory, you know what happens? Our faith grows stronger. We don't just become mighty men and women of faith by sitting here in our lounge rooms watching the television. We become mighty men and women of faith by using our faith, by exercising the muscle of faith so that it grows stronger and stronger with each battle. And one day we wake up and we're able to face bigger battles for Christ because now we have the faith we need to live through them. Let me share with you a letter I received a while back from a woman, Elsie, an elderly lady who used to support Christianity Works by sending some stamps every few months. Listen to the world-conquering faith of this frail old woman. She writes, Although I'm only a very aged pensioner, those are her words, I have been kept by God's grace through many years. In the last 18 months, I've had both floodwaters and burning tree embers over my veranda, but God has protected me through it all. Only last night the bushfires threatened my home again and I went to bed knowing that only our Creator could keep me safe. Bernie, I'm sending you these stamps in the name of our miracle-working God who fed thousands with five small loaves and two fishes, burst open prison doors, calmed tempests, split rocks and provided water, conquered death and defeated Satan and who is coming again to take us all to his eternal home in glory. May these stamps help others to enter his peace. And so they did. We use those stamps in our very next mailing to our supporters, and in response to that mailing, I received a letter from another woman who, as it turns out, lived just a few kilometres from Elsie, who'd been to the point of suicide when she received our letter, yet God used that letter to save her life. She wrote, Thank you for saving my life. I believe with all my heart that that miracle was born out of Elsie's world-conquering faith. I rang Elsie. I told her what had happened, and she wept with joy. What an awesome God we serve. This self-described aged pensioner can be filled with that sort of world-conquering faith. And as you receive God's word today, may you be filled with a passion to travel through the battles, through the fires, through the floods of your walk with Jesus, so that day after day he will grow in you the sort of faith that conquers the world. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw ever closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short 
daily devotional, a powerful scripture verse, together with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now also receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. Sign up to receive Fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now, when God calls us into something that's really hard, scary, tough, radical, he does that sometimes, have you noticed? What we need is an unwavering faith, the sort of faith that doesn't panic, the sort of faith that doesn't have you wanting to turn back and give up, the sort of faith that doesn't have you running for the hills at the first sign of trouble, the sort of faith that we all wish we had when we feel weak, and vulnerable. Right. Where do you get that, pray tell? Well, let's head back into God's Word and take a look, because that's exactly the sort of faith that God wants to give us. You know the thing that is absolutely the most difficult thing about faith? It's that sometimes when I believe in God for something, He doesn't give me the answer I was believing for. Sometimes, when I trust in God to do something, something that's really good, something that's really powerful, something that truly would glorify his name, either he doesn't do it, or he delays in doing it, or he does it in a completely different way to what I was expecting. You see, when it comes to faith, I just want it to be simple. I decide what needs to be done, I ask God to do it, and I believe in him that he's going to do it, and he does it. (laughs) That's simple enough. How come God doesn't get it sometimes? How how come he heads off in some tangent when I can see plain as day what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, and how it needs to be done? Now, as we've been exploring what Hebrews chapter 11 has to say about faith over these last few weeks, have you noticed that each of the examples so far has focused on successful outcomes of having faith in God? Yippee! But the Bible is nothing if it's not realistic. And so it also talks about those times when God doesn't seem to deliver on our prayers, when we've prayed in faith and he doesn't show up. Have a listen. This first passage follows on from the Abraham story. God had promised Abraham many descendants, even when he and his wife were old, beyond childbearing age, and he promised God a land of his own, the promised land, in which his descendants would be like, well, more numerous than the stars in the sky and the grains of the sand on the beach, Question, how much of that promise did Abraham actually get to see? Well, only two small parts. Firstly, God gave him a son, Isaac, miraculous to be sure, but only one, not the multitude that had been promised. And God fleetingly let him pass through the promised land. So what does the Bible have to say about these unfulfilled promises? Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 11. By faith... He received the power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person and this one as good as dead 
descendants were born, as many as the stars in heaven, as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith, without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. People who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of the land that they'd left behind, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. So Abraham didn't even see the outcome of his faith, all but two of the Israelites that finally, centuries later, left slavery in Egypt, perished in the wilderness and never saw the promised land, only their children did. And yet God commends them for their faith. God's plan, God's promises span centuries, right down to the birth of Jesus. God's promise of many descendants is what gave Jesus to us. And you and I today are still being blessed because Abraham trusted God, because Israel trusted God. You and I are blessed in Jesus who came through God's promise to Abraham. God's plan spanned millennia, way beyond Abraham's life. Abraham's life was just one small piece in the overall jigsaw puzzle. And yet God commends Abraham for his faith. See, that's the big picture. That's the truth. You and I, our lives are just one small part in the overall scheme of things, in God's whole plan for the human race. And sometimes, from our narrow perspective, we can't see the whole picture. In fact, I'd suggest that our perspective is inherently way too narrow ever fully to comprehend God's big picture. And so often, God makes promises and we step out in faith into these promises and and things don't go quite the way we'd planned. And yet those apparent failures are critical in the overall plan of God. Again, listen to what Hebrews has to say further on on this very thing. Having regaled us with all the successes of faith the various leaders and kings and prophets had, the writer of this book of Hebrews, under the hand of God, turns his attention to the apparent failures of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 35. Women received their dead by resurrection, but others were tortured refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They, They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. So, you read that, and it seems to me that having faith in God is more important to God than the outcome of that faith. Stepping into the firing line with the distinct possibility of getting shot, trusting in God, is more important to God than whether or not we get shot. That's what the scripture is telling us. And it's true. What we're interested in is a narrow form of success. Success in our little bit. But sometimes our apparent failure, or what you and I would call failure, is a critical element of the jigsaw in God's overall plan. Just think, what if Jesus had been saved from the cross? Where would you and I be now? 
But I'll tell you something. I bet you the disciples were praying to God in those final hours that Jesus would be saved, that he'd be spared. I bet you that had you and I been one of those disciples, that's exactly what we'd have been praying, right? It's not always about winning each battle. Sometimes God's got a bigger picture. And what pleases him and what he commends us for is a faith that stands, an unfailing faith, despite the outcome. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. As you've probably heard me say before, the only sort of faith that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. And yet so many people who believe in Jesus struggle to live out that sort of faith. Well, that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Having the Sort of Faith That Conquers the World. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you. And at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and I'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, just before he was crucified, Jesus told his somewhat frightened disciples that they should be of good cheer because he'd overcome the world. Then the Romans nailed him to a cross. Doesn't sound very cheery to me. Doesn't sound too much about overcoming to me. And yet God's ways aren't our ways. That apparently massive defeat turned out to be the greatest victory of all eternity. Maybe we need to take a fresh look at defeat and victory. Well, we're going to conclude our time together in this particular series by looking at what Hebrews chapter 11 has to say about the sort of faith that overcomes obstacles the sort of faith in God that will help us overcome difficult circumstances. Often we hope that if someone is against us, that that our faith will mean that we'll end up winning and they'll end up losing. That's That's a good thing to believe for, isn't it? Do we see something of that in the Bible? Well, yeah, we do. We often see God's people in the Old Testament, whether under the leadership of Moses or Joshua or David or Jehoshaphat or quite a number of judges and kings and prophets, turn to God in times of distress And God goes out there and fights the battles for them and gives them victory over their enemies. Sometimes that's what the Lord does in our lives. And and when we just feel to get out there amongst it and the forces of hell are unleashed against us, there is absolutely nothing wrong with praying in faith for victory so that the Lord's will can prevail. There's been many a time in my life when I've been up against it, when it seems that people came against this ministry of Christianity Works and our mission to share the good news of Jesus with many, many people around the world, when our finances have been so difficult that we couldn't really see how we could possibly continue, when people that we'd relied on failed us and and left us in a difficult spot. Please don't ever think that just because I'm here on the radio proclaiming the good news of Jesus, that none of these things happen to us. They do. And the more we preach Christ, the more the enemy unleashes his armies against us. That's that's par for the course. 
So when we're in a tough place, should we turn to God as our first resort instead of our last? Should we rely on his faithfulness to overcome the obstacles and opposition that we face? Absolutely we should, because he's our God. And yet, that's not always what he has in mind. Sometimes his victories are so so different to what we're expecting. There's, there's something that Jesus said to his disciples in those final days before his crucifixion that must have seemed so outrageous and so plain wrong to them as they heard it and as they lived out the next few days. This is what he said. Have a listen. John chapter 16, verses 32 and 33. Jesus said, The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you'll be scattered, each one to his home, and you'll leave me completely alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is in me. I've said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will face persecution. But take courage, I have conquered the world. The first verse speaks of the coming fear and trials that the disciples were already beginning to face. You'll be scattered. You'll flee to your homes. You'll leave me alone. Man, if Jesus had been saying that to me, I wouldn't have been impressed. You'll face persecution. zippity doo There's a promise of God that we can stand on. And yet in the very next breath, he's saying, but I'm telling you these things so that in me you might have peace. Have courage, for I have overcome the world. I have conquered the world. Well, words are cheap. Not so long after this, they see him arrested, tried, beaten to within an inch of his life, the flesh literally hanging off his back where he'd been whipped, lugging a cross, a huge wooden cross, up to Golgotha where he's nailed to the cross. And there he dies. And yet this miracle man Jesus had said to them, Take courage, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, I've conquered the world. Let me ask you this. When when he was hanging there on that cross... Did he look like much of a conqueror, much of an overcomer in the eyes of his frightened, disillusioned disciples who'd fled, who'd left him in his darkest hour, just as he'd predicted? Not likely. And yet just a few days later, he was raised from the dead. Just a few days later, to their absolute disbelief, even though he'd been telling them that this would happen, the one whom they'd seen dead and lifeless was alive again. He truly had conquered the world. He'd conquered the grave. He'd conquered death. He'd overcome the very worst outcome of all, the outcome of dying. Do you see how the immediate circumstances of his trial and crucifixion shrouded the ultimate victory in the disciples' gaze? And so, my friend, it often is with us. So often we're focused on the short-term victory in this or in that, a victory that all too often involves saving our skins. Let's Let's be honest. When all along, our Father in Heaven is working out His ultimate victory in our lives. And in order to realise that ultimate victory for a time, we have to suffer. Have a listen to how the Apostle John puts it in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Ultimately, it's the one who believes that Jesus is who he says he is who conquers this world. Because in Jesus Christ, you and I have victory over the grave. We have victory over death. We have victory over this world. And as we're travelling through the short-term pain of a lifetime, 
That's what keeps us pressing on to the end. The truth that in Christ Jesus we have life eternal. Peter the Apostle says this, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being far more precious than gold, even though it's perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. To that you and I can shout, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Through him we have victory over the grave. There are going to be times in this life when you and I feel like losers. Peter was writing that to a bunch of people who were being tarred and feathered and burnt on stakes at Caesar's parties. These people weren't just suffering various kinds of trials. They were dying for their faith. But in those moments to them and in those moments to us, God is faithful. His love is unfailing. His promises are true. And we have all that we need to make it through. For me to be able to serve you with this truth today is such an incredible privilege. As I walk through my trials, as I suffer through my things, I need this word just as much as you do. I need the encouragement and the power of God's word just as much as you do. So please take this truth, hold close to your heart, because through your faith in Jesus Christ, as weak and as tenuous as it may feel sometimes, you have already overcome the world. I've said these things to you that in him you may have peace. Before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to grow in their faith, to live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give them. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, christianityworks.com, or by calling one 300 722 And please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier, Having the Sword of Faith That Conquers the World. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.